we think about Mark chapter 7, a couple questions. Do you agree or disagree? There is no acceptable excuse for disobedience. There is no acceptable excuse for disobedience. Agree, disagree. Anyone want to respond? Not a trick question. Pardon? Obedience to God. No acceptable excuse for disobedience to God. Depends if you're a believer or not. (laughs) Okay, another one. Every temptation you face and yield to is due to a desire in your heart that you chose to satisfy. Every temptation you face and yield to is due to a desire in your heart that you chose to satisfy. Agree? When you do not change, I'm talking, you know, towards godliness, it is due to a choice to focus on the action rather than address your heart. That is, if there's sin and you're not changing, it's due to a choice to focus on the action rather than to address the heart. Ray agrees again. Every, every sin you commit begins in your heart desire. Every sin you commit begins in your heart desire. Just some questions I want you to think. Let's turn to Mark chapter 7 as we read together verses 20 through 23. And as we read these together, please keep in mind the overview of Mark 7, 1 through 23. In verses 1 through 4, we find that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law observed that Jesus' disciples ate with unclean hands, that is, ceremonially unclean hands. That resulted in a question in verse 5. The Pharisees ask, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? So Jesus responds in verses 6 through 16. In 6 through 8, he quotes from Isaiah with a very strong quote. He first of all says they're hypocrites. Then he says, these people honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are rules, but taught by men. And then he gives an example of the tradition of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, where someone could say, the money I would use to help my parents is dedicated to God. Therefore, I'm not obligated to help my parents. Verses 14 through 16, he states that nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of the person. So the disciples came up with some question. They didn't understand. What do you mean, Jesus? What comes out of the person is what makes him unclean. It's not what goes in. 
So Jesus responds in verses 17 through 20 that uh, what you eat is not going to make you unclean. But what comes out makes you unclean, and in the process, he's declaring all foods clean. And then we find the response by Jesus in verses 20 through 23. Let's read together. He went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make him unclean. And I'd like to read a modern-day paraphrase of this passage. What comes out of a child, a teen, a man, a woman, a husband, a wife, father, mother, citizen, employer, employer employee, student, teacher, driver, shopper, is what makes a mind clean. For from within, out of the hearts come disobedience to parents, complaining about the homework, making excuses for failure to study scripture so you can renew your mind, thinking evil thoughts about the driver in front of you, failing to take time to pray with your wife, yelling at the kids, thinking about dwelling on your child's indifference, buying clothes so that you are not made fun of due to being out of style, playing a computer game rather than spending time with mom and dad, spending money for things which means you can't give to the Lord. Being busy with games, activities to the extent that you don't worship with believers on a corporate level. God, down through the pages of history, has been concerned about the heart. In Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In Romans 12 and verse 2, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. And in 1 Peter 1, he says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And when we get to the time period in which Jesus lived, the religious system, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, became consumed with traditions, the outer person to the neglect of the heart. And Jesus says, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. Last week we considered evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, and greed. This morning we want to look at malice and words that follow. Malice, a heart completely equipped to inflict evil on other people. A heart that is equipped to inflict evil on other people. Some examples of malice. If you follow the political campaigns, how much malice have you heard as it relates to the political campaigns? You now, where you're inflicting evil on another person. How about church splits and church fights? How much malice is expressed towards one another? You know, where you're equipped to inflict evil on another person. If you ever listen to radio talk shows, 
it can be pretty harsh towards people. Sometimes Christians and their responses to political leaders and those who live what may can be considered homo or ungodly lifestyles, some pretty nasty, unkind things can be said about them. Jesus says, out of the heart comes malice. He says, also out of the heart comes deceit. Deceit means to bait people, to lead them away from the truth. You know, you bait them. You lead them away from the truth. It's kind of like a, you're going fishing. What do you do with a hook? You bait the hook. You cover the hook. No, you mousetrap, what do you do? You bait the mousetrap. You put something good smelling in there so that the mouse won't look at the mousetrap and say, this is going to catch me. Rather, you know, there's a form of deception. And I'm not saying if you do those items, you know, fishing and uh, a mousetrap that you're sinning, but just an example of what it means to be deceitful. Do you ever consider in our current political campaign, has it ever crossed your mind, who do I believe? They say the opposites. Who do you believe? You know, out of the heart comes deceit. The whole Penn State deal that happened last year. There apparently was some guilt, but a denial. Radio talk shows. I've asked myself a question, and I rarely listen to radio talk. But there have been times where some things have been said about our area, and I'll say, well, this is said, and this is said. Now, who's telling the truth? Someone has to be wrong. Both cannot be right. So someone comes up to you and says, how are you doing? Good. And you're not good. No. You look down at the speedometer, and the speedometer says you're doing 70 in a 55-mile-an-hour zone, and after a while, you know, the car comes up behind you and you pull over, and the trooper says, how fast are you going? Oh, about 60. And you just look before you get pulled over and saw 70. A teen <clears throat> communicating to another teen about how terrible their parents are but doesn't say, I'm proud. And I think my parents aren't so good is because I've been disobedient. So, you know, deceit. I think about the religious sexual things that have happened just this week. There's a case, <clears throat> not sure if it was Oklahoma, where there was some sexual impropriety within the confines of the church building that had taken a place. And we found that in the Roman Catholic Church, there's been a lot of that as well as in other churches in the last few years. We try to cover it. That's a form of deceit. He says, out of your hearts come malice and deceit. He says, out of the heart comes lewdness. Lewdness is plunging into moral debauchery in open defiance of public opinion. A couple of examples. <clears throat> Pornography 
be an example of lewdness. <clears throat> Some movies, in light of what they portray, would be an example of lewdness. Music at times can be an example of lewdness by what they're communicating <clears throat> with words. Again, out of the heart comes lewdness. He says out of the heart comes envy. Envy, an evil eye which watches another's possessions, abilities. You watch another person's possessions and abilities. A couple examples from 21st century America. <clears throat> and for quite a few years, but maybe we've seen more in the last 10 years or so, just the whole idea of school contract talks. Now, watching how much someone else is going to get or not get, you know, depends on, you know, the context. Someone else has new clothing, and you don't, and you want to keep up with them. Someone else got a new, see, it's, Apple came out with a five, number five phone this week. Oh, they got that, and I don't have that. And you become envious of them because you don't have the latest. Envy takes the focus off of your responsibility and places it on someone else. This ever go through someone's mind or yours? Boy, I wish I had a husband like him. I wish I had a wife like her. That's a form of envy. Oh, their kids are so well-behaved. I wish I had kids like that. Or kids say, boy, their parents are so nice. I wish I had parents like that. <clears throat> At the root seems to be just discontent. He says, out of the heart comes envy. Out of the heart also comes slander, Jesus would say. The idea of slander is blaspheme against God and or intentionally hurting others with your words. How much slander have we had over the radio and the TV and in the paper with political campaigns? How much slander is taking place as people get on the radio and talk about someone else? How much slander has taken place as people talk with an intention of hurting our president, our governor, and those in authority over us. How much slander takes place when someone talks about their neighbor or their enemy? How much slander takes place at times between parents and their children and how they express themselves. Out of the heart comes slander. He says out of the heart comes arrogance. The idea of arrogance is a self-praising person who has contempt for everyone but themselves. You know, that involves comparison. I'm better than. 
Out of the heart comes arrogance. A Christian writer, a pastor, who promotes their methodology as being better than everyone else's methodology. A must-have. Within the realm of Christianity this week, I was flipping through a Christian magazine, and they were promoting a Christian book. And they said, this is a must-read. And I thought, I wish they would have said, the Bible is a must-read, and knowing Christ is a must-read, and being sensitive to the Spirit is a must-read. When you get together with others, when people get together with one another, is our talk generally about ourselves and what we're doing, or are we taking an interest in others? Are we expecting others to always listen to what we're doing? And I'm sorry for bringing this up again, but the whole issue of politics, I'm not saying politics is wrong, but how much arrogance may be present. Out of the heart comes arrogance. Out of the heart comes folly. The idea of folly is desensitized morally and spiritually. If I came in here this morning with some of the clothing that I wore when I was a kid or smelling the same as when I was a kid, not that they smell that long, but got the same smell and came in here, probably most of you would say, I really can't stand the smell. I've become desensitized to it. I would say, it smells pretty good. To this day, when I go through an area where they've spread some manure, you say, Pastor, you're crazy when you think this. I think, that doesn't smell too bad. But see, I've been desensitized. Now think about that in terms of living. We become desensitized as a culture. What you used to think on TV was really bad really isn't that bad now. You hear something in the radio, you think, ah, that's not too bad. But 10 years ago, you would have thought it was bad. We play our computer games. There may be violence. There may be killing, and we don't think anything of it. Whereas 10 years ago or five years ago, we may have thought, you know, that might not be good. In the context of movies, I had read an article recently by an individual, a Christian who said, you know, I watch things that I didn't watch a few years ago. And he said, I guess the reason I do is because I've been desensitized. The idea of folly, you know, what used to be modesty in your life is no longer modesty. No, you're desensitized. You used to have a passion for holiness. You know, that same passion isn't there. Just desensitized. Jesus says, out of the heart come these items. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law's problem was that though they had the scriptures, they had a defective theology of men and sin. 
Because of this, they treated the symptoms with their legalism rather than dealing with the root cause. They made the outside of the cup clean but neglected the uncleanness within. And we have a tendency to do that in any time period in which we live. Jesus says, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from within and make a man unclean. What is the point of Mark 7, 1 through 23? The heart, the thoughts, the desires, the motives, the attitudes, which is displayed in words and actions, take priority over traditions in loving God, worship of God, and walking with God. Focus on traditions. Make it impossible to worship in an acceptable manner. Leaders are most guilty of traditions rather than a clean heart taking priority because Jesus is speaking to religious leaders. How many times down through the pages of Christianity has there been concern about the outside? to the neglect of the heart. For some of my brothers in Christ, when I was younger, who would appear fine on the outside as they went to worship because of what they dressed in. They followed the code for the outside. You didn't want to hear what they said to their animals or about their animals during the week. For those who, have, those who are religious leaders today and have various denominations who will go to church, who will stand up and speak, who will administer the ordinances, but behind the scenes, they're abusing children. The outside being fine, but neglect of the heart. Jesus says you may appear fine on the outside, but what's on the inside? Out of the heart come certain items. How do we deal with the evil heart desires? We all have them at times. If we're honest with ourselves, how do you deal with them? How do we respond to them? And this would come from an overview of Mark, but also some related passages. First of all, relationship with God through Christ. Repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Have you come to faith in Christ? Another thought, and this is not a pattern you follow and everything is fine, just some thoughts. Think, meditate upon being in Christ. If you're a believer in Christ, you have redemption, you have forgiveness, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, and so on. Set your heart fully toward walking worthy of your heavenly calling. Romans 12 and verse 1. Ephesians 4 and verse 1. Colossians 4 and, I'm sorry, Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4. Set the direction of your life 
so that you know when you get off the path. Practice body life, that is, the one another's. Rick, I was observing your life recently, and you're getting pretty greedy. Rick says, Pastor, would you explain to me? And I explained to him, and Rick says, thanks, Pastor. I needed that. So I come up to Daniel and say, Daniel, I noticed you in Walmart. By the way, I didn't notice. I'm just pulling things out of my head here. I noticed you in Walmart, and I noticed you stood in front of the magazine rack quite a while. And I noticed a couple of the magazines that you pulled out. What was going through your mind? I love you, Daniel, and I care for you. And as a brother in the Lord, I don't want you to get down that route. That's body life. JT, I happened to be in the store when you were there, and I thought I saw your hand reach over and pull something and stick it in your pocket. Did you pay for that when you went out? Did you steal something? Or I go to a brother in the Lord as I went to someone this week and I said, you know, God really challenged me one morning this week. And as I just stopped and was reading scripture and thinking about my heart, listed some actions, and I said, I got to go to the heart, my thinking. And I went to that person. I said, I just want you to know, here's some things going on in my heart. I need someone to help me. That's body life. When it comes to those things that come out of our heart and all of life comes from our heart, we need other people. Admit the desires and focus on the desires. So when you're greedy, admit there's a desire within. When you look at something you shouldn't look at, realize that comes from a desire within. When there's envy, realize that comes from a desire within. Admit the reality of desires. Don't paint yourself better than you are. Count yourself dead to the desire, that is. Don't give birth to it. Now, we have evil desires, but you don't have to give birth to it. We can't always control the desires, but we don't have to give birth to it. I'll give you an example. I like books. So I walk in a bookstore and I see some books. And the desire within me says, you need a couple of these books because someone's going to come into your study and they're going to say, Pastor, look at all these books. And you're going to feel great because you have more than the next pastor does. That's a desire. No, I'm just using that as an example. That's not a very good desire. Books aren't the issue. It's a desire within that's the issue, and then I'm going to be better than the next guy because someone says, look at all these books you have. Lord, books or no books, I'm loved by you, I'm accepted by you. 
I don't have to have them. So if someone thinks I have a lot of books or they don't think I have many, that's beside the point. I am who I am in Christ. See, I didn't give birth to desire. Now let's be a little more specific for you guys and for you gals, depends on which way it goes. You guys, you see this good-looking gal, and you ladies see this handsome dude that you think would be better than your husband. And a desire wells up within you. Count yourself dead. That guy is not for me. That gal is not for me. I have my own. I will take care of my own grass. I won't look for something that I think is green on the other side that's going to get brown, just like I think mine is, if I don't take care of it. That's counting, that's dead to the desire. The desire is not the issue, it's what you do with it. So that it doesn't become something which is incorrect. Count yourself dead. Choose not to feed the desire, and then put off and put on. You can't live in a vacuum. Out of the heart comes envy. You got to put envy off, and in its place, put giving to someone else. You know, dealing with the envy. Put off, put on. Out of the heart comes arrogance. Boy, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm going to talk about myself. I'll take time to listen to someone else. Just day by day. Please understand, in light of Matthew or Mark chapter 7, the way we live, the way religious leaders live, comes from the heart. Don't blame outward circumstances. Don't blame others. It's out of the heart. And I would like you to keep in mind that Jesus is speaking primarily in the context to the Pharisees and teachers of the law, religious leaders. And if he says that to religious leaders, I think he would say it to any of us. Out of the heart, and a word of encouragement as you think about religious leaders. There are people that you need to pray for because out of the heart comes these items. The world system, our own sinful nature, and Satan and his demons work hard to get religious leaders to polish the outside and to neglect the heart. <coughs> I know I'm a leader, and I talk to leaders. 
within the last month when I was together with a group of religious leaders, I came away from the conversation thinking to myself, there was too much talk about the outside and far too little about the inside. The enemy can lure religious leaders, and I use that very broadly, then he'll lure followers because religious leaders will focus on the outside to the neglect of the inside when we need to focus on the inside because out of the heart comes the items that Jesus lists. What is the focus of your life? On the outside or on the inside? 